0: Brother Nathaniel, St. Matthew, chapter number 22 and verse number 32. Listen. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Amen. Brother Jesse, read 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. You mean God's reception of Israel and of the people of God is conditional? For him to receive me, it's conditional? Let's read our text again. Speak unto the children of Israel, supposed to be God's people, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwell, shall ye not do And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do, neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we love and we praise you. We thank you for the privilege. It is to be in the house of the Lord. God, I know I've sang with these saints for about 45 minutes and my voice is gone. I've sweated. I've sang. I felt the Spirit of God, and now it's time to preach, and I need your strength. I need your help, Lord. It can only come from you and set a guard at my mouth and help me to say only the things that you would have me to say. Nothing more or less than the ears of this thy people, that they might hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Lord, let the sayings of this blessed book and this preached word go down below the shoulders into the heart, I ask. May we be doers And not hearers only. May we depart this place joyfully. And not sorrowfully. In Jesus name. Amen. I believe we're going to have a good time in the Lord here tonight. Our text is found in the book of the Bible called Leviticus. It's an Old Testament book of the Bible. The third book of the Holy Bible. In fact the author of this writing. Recorded the laws that God gave unto the children of God. And these laws first came through their leader, the man Moses. During this time period, an Israelite was expected to obey the laws of God. It seems to me like during this time period, those that call themselves the children of God or spiritual Israel no longer feel that they should keep the ordinances of God. That they're okay in transgressing the law that they're okay in disregarding what the Lord has instructed them to do. So again, during this time period, an Israelite or a child of Abraham was expected to obey the laws of God. After all, these weren't the law of Moses as many state, but these were the laws of God. And the descendants of Abraham kept the laws. And if they kept the laws, they were blessed. And if they broke the laws... They were cursed. It was the law that separated the Israelites from the rest of the known world. Again, it was the law of God that separated the children of God from the known world. These people had been specially selected by God because God had a special plan for them and a special path to follow, including keeping the ordinances that he had presented to them through this servant Moses. So these people were chosen people. And in their hands was not just a piece of literary work or just some book or an ancient manuscript of the land of Egypt. But in their hands were the commandments of God. And how many here in this building tonight know that there are more commandments in the book of Leviticus than the Ten Commandments that the children of Israel received? You remember upon their exodus at some time, they received the Ten Commandments. and I believe just about everybody in this building could recite the Ten Commandments. If not, you need to get busy memorizing the Ten Commandments. In my office I have a family Bible. It sits upon my desk and it's open to the very center. And the centerfold of that Bible is the Ten Commandments. Does anybody remember them? The first commandment is thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second is thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. The third is thou shalt not take thy name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five is honor thy father and mother who were children of God. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Let me back up to number five right here. Number five, I've never heard this preached or explained in this manner until just now. The Holy Ghost brought this to mind. Number five is a commandment that was given to people that were the people of God, the children of God. Their parents are supposed to be godly. And so you honor your godly parents. Some foolish person one time said, it doesn't matter if they're godly or not. Well, i respect them as my parents, but when it comes to me keeping the laws of God, I'm going to honor God first if that means dishonoring them. Whoa, fellowship. Commandment number six is thou shalt not kill. Commandment number seven is thou shalt not commit adultery. Commandment number eight is thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. and Number 10, thou shalt not covet. These Ten Commandments, along with some others, should not ever be thrown away or discarded. When Jesus came, he did not come to throw away the law, but he came to fulfill it. He didn't wipe up these Ten Commandments like a piece of trash and throw them away in the waste can. Now, in fact, these Ten Commandments were first given to us by God Tables of stone signifying that God intended for them to be long lasting commandments. You see, these commandments should not be discarded as a piece of trash. And just before Moses was taken from the children of Israel, before they entered the land of promise, Moses reminded these people and the children of these commandments. And once the Israelites inhabited the land of promise, the land that had been promised to them, they had to remember these words because these words, this law of God, not the law of Moses, The law of God would be the foundation upon which they would build their society. You see, these documents of stone were sacred. God gave them to Moses on stone, and he intended for them to last. And they were directives to a society that was not intended to be secular, but sacred. What is a society? It is the aggregate of people living together in a more or less ordered community. Now we heard our brother read to us tonight about coming out from among the world and being Separated, we live in this world. God is not calling for a monastic type separation, God is not asking us to get an honest experience, but God is telling us to be sanctified people in this secular society. So if you're gonna live in a God-fearing society, don't kill your neighbor. Now, Brother Tyler told me today that he intends for Brother Dylan to do some work for him in the upcoming week. And they agreed upon a set price or a price per hour. And if Brother Dylan's work performance is acceptable, then Brother Tyler will pay him for his work performance if it's acceptable. But if it's unacceptable, Brother Tyler might not pay him. That's just Business, but I'm pretty sure it'll be acceptable and that Brother Tyler will make payment. But you know, if Brother Dylan was to disappoint Brother Tyler because of the law of God, Brother Tyler cannot grab Brother Dylan by the neck of the neck and wrap them bowling ten fingers around the neck of Dylan and strangle him. Because of the law of a sacred society said Thou shalt not kill. But the current society in which we live in is not a God-fearing society and they think nothing of destroying the life of little babies. That comes from pagan societies. That comes from pagans. That comes from idolatry, practices of idolatry. That comes from the heathen. Now how can anybody take their input from out of their arms and give it to a lifeless God? How can somebody take a living infant from out of their own arms and give it to a lifeless God? Now, let me ask you this question. How can a mother go to an abortion clinic and for the goddess of a good figure or to the goddess of having enough to go around or to the goddess of making sure I've got good finances. They sacrifice the living. God said, thou shalt not kill if you're going to have a sacred society that is acceptable to God. Now, if you look at Leviticus chapter number 18 and verses number two through four, God said, speak to my people, Moses, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. And after the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, ye shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whether I bring you, ye shall not do. Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. It sounds to me like the children of God are expected to be separated from this world. And that we are not permitted to blend in with the cultures Of others We are striving Not to be like the Egyptians And the Canaanites This is going over some of your heads Now listen I personally sat behind that piano And sang for about 25 minutes And I'm weak And my voice is about cold But we need to have church I know we shouted I know the presence of God came in this place But this is the time of the preaching of the word And church we've got to be different I dare to be different than that ordinary Joe on the street. I strive to be different. You ladies strive to be different than that mother that aborts her child. Is there forgiveness for that mother that aborts her child? Yes, but God also expects that mother to never kill again. Let's think about the people who Moses is speaking to. They are the parents and grandparents of people that are desert babies they're telling these people you might remember what it was like in egypt and i want to tell you what to expect when you get into the land of canaan but you need to remember regardless of your exposure to the egyptians while you were enslaved there things are going to be different there's going to be a different culture there's going to be a different manner of life there's going to be different commandments to follow in other words God is saying you are my people in the words of Jesus you are the sheep of my pasture God had told Abraham that his descendants would spend 400 years in Egypt's land brother the Caleb And if I read Exodus chapter number 12 and verse number 41 correctly today, the Bible states clearly, and it was referenced again in the New Testament, that they spent 430 years in Egypt. And I'm sure that Egyptian entrees and leeks and melons, onions and garlics were not the only thing they remembered the land of Egypt. I'm sure they remember the garments, the manner of life, the way the Egyptians dressed, the way they cheated on one another, the way they went to their pagan temples. They remember their culture. They remember their jewelry. They remember everything there is about Egyptian society. Uh, Undoubtedly, the culture and the customs of the Egyptian were part of the everyday lives of the children of God. When those ladies were getting dressed, they thought of the decor of the Egyptian goddess. And they thought about the way that the artists had depicted the gods and the goddess upon the tombs and the pyramids. They, they thought about their culture they thought about their worship you we're going somewhere y'all stay with me <laughs> You see, I believe that these children of God had to shake off the parasites that attached themselves to the children of God while they were in the land of Egypt. And how many of us know when God called us out of that world, there are some parasites that like to remain attached to us. Come on now. but well, We can tell by listening to the preacher and reading the word of God that God's got better Plans for us—that God's got higher pasture for our feet, and God's got a better culture and a better society for us to live in. In fact, the New Testament went like this: in like manner, the holy women of old. Come on now, I'm talking pre-Babylon. I'm talking about pre-Egypt. How did the holy men and the holy women of God live? I'll probably get in trouble tonight before this is over with, with somebody in this building. You see, every Israelite, after the Exodus, could recite the names of some of the ancient, ancient Egyptian gods. The first one that came to mind today in my study was Ra, the sun god. I believe that Apostle Paul when mindful of instructing the new believers to come out from paganism, come out from idolatrous practices, I believe Apostle Paul was mindful of this ancient Egyptian God when he said, I met somebody that's brighter than the noonday sun. Oh, come on, I know a God that's got more power than Ra, the ancient Egyptian sun god. What's the more names, Israelites? Uh, some of the gods uh, you know about while uh, you land, uh, lived in Egypt. Uh, they would say, I remember the name uh, of the God of the dead. Uh, what's that name? Uh, Moses could say Anubis. Uh, Miriam and Aaron could say Anubis. Uh, oh, he wasn't like Ra. He's like the God of the dead oh come on church and our brother read Matthew 22 and 32 Jesus speaking he said I am the God of Abraham I am the God of Jacob I am and he said emphatically God is not the God of the dead but the God of the living Oh, church I'm not worshipping the sun. I'm not worshipping mother nature and Father time I'm not worshipping the creative power I am worshipping God if you reflect upon those ten commandments as I preach you will see my mental outline Thou shalt make no graven images. You shall have no other God before me. Nothing between you and me. Jesus spoke these words of, I'm not the God of the dead, but I'm the God of the living, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, the Sadducees are sad, you see because they do not believe in the resurrecting of the dead. They do not believe in resurrection. I don't believe in incarnation. I don't believe the celebrities, uh, are reincarnated goddess uh, of Egypt like some people believe. But I do believe in the resurrection. And you know even in the Old Testament, uh, there are proofs positive of the resurrecting power of God Almighty. The Sadducees were upset because Jesus was preaching of the resurrection. Jesus said, I am and the resurrection, and the life. Well, the Sadducees held to the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. They would have accepted the law of Moses, but they didn't want to accept the concept of a resurrection because the first five books of the Bible to them do not record any example of a bodily resurrection. But Sister Walker, in my study today, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, God, the Sadducees had studied them five books until they could just about recite the five books of the Bible. They had the law of God known to them as the law of Moses down pat. But I said, what about the resurrection in the Pentateuch? And God said, nobody can find the body of Moses, can they? And then he said, did not Enoch walk with me? It was not because God took him. Listen, Sadducees, religious leaders of that day, debating the teachings of Jesus Christ, were grossly in error by not believing in the resurrection, in the truth, and in the lie. If I had to sing for 25 minutes, I might really be able to preach tonight. Y'all pray for me. In Matthew 22, Jesus had dealt with the Pharisees and he had silenced them. You know, some of them walked away and said, Never spake a man like this man. How in the world does he know these things? How in the world can he declare himself to be the way, the truth, and the life? Our text tonight is in Leviticus 18. We're reading verses number 2 through 4. And apparently these Israelites couldn't be Egyptians and they could not be Canaanites. Did anybody ever see that in the Bible? I've never heard anybody preach it. But it stood out to me early this afternoon as I was just thumbing through the Bible. And I felt the Holy Ghost begin to lift those words off the page. In other words, bring to my attention. God's telling the children of God, you're going to have to forget some things uh, that are behind you and you're going to have to be careful accepting the things that are before you. Uh, Jesus is covering the things in the past uh, and he's covering the things in the future and saying you've got to live uh, between the lines. We've got to live uh, between the word of God and these leather binders. Brother, Starrett, they want you to accept their culture. They want you to accept the commands of their God, the imposters. Jesus Christ said, be careful after my departure. There'll be some more Christ come. They'll go so far as to naming themselves Jesus. There'll be some Spanish ones that call themselves Jesus. In every country in the world, I don't know all the language of this world but there's been a Jesus surfacing about every country of an imposter and just about every time you read their teachings you will find it to be polluted teachings of Jesus Christ it doesn't matter if it's Joseph Smith the father of the Mormon church they take the word of God and they can't conjure up anything any better but the the pollute even the words of Buddha are similar to the words of our God can I tell us here tonight there is no God like Jehovah I said there is no God like Jehovah sometimes I think these guys like Muhammad and Buddha and Harry Krishna and Joseph Smith kind of plagiarize the words of God they alter them they twisted them and that's what Jesus warned us of. He said, Brother Jesse, be careful of those that change the comma, those that remove part of the sentence those that revise it, those that alter it, because these aren't the words of mortal men. These are the words of the Most High God. And I feel like here tonight, God is talking to somebody that feels like it's okay to dabble a little bit in the Egyptian lifestyle, to dabble a little bit in the Canaanites lifestyle. No, it's not okay. I'm preaching a sermon titled tonight, I don't care how they're doing it. And y'all can tell from that title, I'm very dangerous right now. I don't care how the Egyptians are doing it, God is saying. I don't care how the Canaanites are doing it. You see, this is the Lord that brought them out of Egypt. And now they have to face Canaan. This land of Canaan would be a horrible place On every corner there would have been temples full of idols. And they would have had to go through a necessary protocol and procedural effort in order to eradicate and remove the stumbling blocks uh, that would be in their children's way. It doesn't matter how decorative the pizza uh, or how fascinating the artwork uh, they had uh, to put away the strange gods uh, of those that are behind the flood and those that are on the other side of Jordan. It's simply got to be done away with. Our text says, after the doings of the Egyptians, you can't do. And after the doings of the Canaanites, you can't do. They were to adapt to their following of Moses. They were to adapt to the teachings of Moses that came to them from God. Not only were they to adapt or get acclimated to this new way of living, When I got saved, I found a new way of living. Formed new habits. God washed away my sin. There's no residue of the old man. There's no remnants. There's no corner in my house with an idol in it they had to adapt but also adhere to the teachings of Moses and the New Testament church must adhere to the teachings of Christ and Christ did not throw away the teachings of Moses and back to Christ tighten it down in a society that's an aggregate of people grouped together brother Jesse one of the first laws is thou shalt not covet if you won't covet your neighbor's Cadillac You'll stay content with what you have. What are the laws of your new society? Your new power religion is. Thou shalt not bear false witness. What are the laws of your new society? Welcome to your new culture. You're not going to be able to kill babies. You're not going to be able to swap wives. In fact, Leviticus chapter number 18 deals with some pagan things uh, they had seen in the idolatrous temples of Egypt. Things that went in and went out when the spirits possessed them parents. Uh, there was incestuous relationships. That's why Moses said, I've been talking to God on the mountain, and this table of stone right here is a lasting ordinance. It's a table of stone. It's sacred. And God said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, God was saying, young people, keep your hands to yourself. Jesus tightened down on it and said, That's good. That's right. The children of Israel must adapt to it. And they must adhere to his teaching. But Jesus said, if a man so much as gaze upon a woman to lust after her, has committed already. Adultery in his heart. Moses said, Thou shalt not kill in this godly society. Jesus said, If you're walking around it with hate in your heart towards your brother, you're guilty of murder. Amen. And the Bible said, Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Well, I don't know. Brother so-and-so at the church up the street that calls itself Holiness and Pentecostal, he's okay with premarital kissing. He's okay. I don't care how they did it in Egypt. I don't care how they do it in Canaan. I know how God people do it. And the Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. I don't care how the self-promoting holiness politician does it, how he preaches it, how he promotes it, or how he pecks it. It's not okay. Well, in the pagan temple, they had to be careful. Because when they ascended to the altar, their nakedness was discovered. Yeah, the Old Testament addresses that. Wear long enough that there's no possibility of your nakedness being discovered. But so and so, the big name Pentecostal, the holiness evangelist, his wife does it. I preach preaching here tonight. Oh, can I don't care how the Jesus and the Ask still up. I know how God's people doing it. You like me the holy women of God, the holy women of old haven't we found a new way to do it? Yeah, if you're talking about we possess the land of Canaan and not throw away their practices. We can promote young men to get up and preach in our camp meetings in our holiness meetings and put them as frontliners in holiness meetings and the only thing we get out of it is realize they're good readers of a sermon book and they seemingly have some sort of anointing but when the altar service is over nobody's life is changed and we realize it's somewhat of a counterfeit anointing do you not feel like them pagans felt some sort of demonic inspiration and demonic anointing when they approached the gods of Moloch, the goddesses of Egypt, the gods of Canaan? When they went in the temples, do you not take their skin wormed? Do you not think they brought things upon their flesh? But what about the sin in the altar? What about what's going on when they walk out of the big meeting and you see that boy they promoted just because he's got the right pedigree and the right name but you realize that boy has not yet killed the gods of Parnia, the gods of fornication the gods of adultery the gods of keep your hands to yourself oh come on now are y'all listening right here I'm armed and dangerous tonight with a real holy ghost. Today, I don't care whose son it is and what his last name is. When he walks out of that church with that self-anointing, with that superficial anointing and begins to embrace a young man sensually, he ain't been anointed with the same anointing I've got. how they do it. The old timers used to say, if everybody jumped off the bridge, would you do it? If everybody forsakes the old time way, are we going to forsake it? I'm trying to ask for the old way. I'm looking for the old way. I'm asking for the old past because I want to find rest for my soul. After their doings, you shall not do. It's like we take our daughters by the high school and they see the cheerleaders out there and they decide, I wanna do it, not they're doing it. I've preached like this in a long time. We take our young men out somewhere and all of a sudden they see a rebellious young man and we see they change their wardrobe, they change their hairstyle, They change their conversation. They start using words that we don't recognize as the people of God. And somehow some of these words of the Egyptian culture, some of these lifestyles of Canaanite's people, it grieves our spirit. Is that not what the matriarch of the people of God said to her husband? She said, these Egyptian wives, these pagan wives, these unholy women are grieving me because you saw." had a choice to marry good they're a pain to my soul it's a grieving to my soul brother O'Cap, when I look at the results of our pulpiteers and how they're manufacturing queers it's a grievance to my spirit when I see them patterning themselves after the Egyptians, patterning themselves after the Canaanite people. I know they won't overlook this text, Leviticus 8, 2 through 4, but God said, if I'm gonna be your God, I am your God. In that manner, you will not do their doings, you're not gonna do. I could get really deep into trouble right here by naming some things that we're doing in our independent holiness movement. But I'll try to stay sweet right here and refuse to name some things that they're doing. But Samuel, Isaiah, how, well, you and I don't care a thing about what they're doing. Uh, you ever heard a young woman tell a husband, well, I'm not your mother. Now if that mother's a God-fearing woman and she's trying to teach you how to be a Ruth and you've got a Naomi for a godly example and you say that, well, I ain't your mother. That's just the heart of Orpah speaking. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are y'all listening? You remember the charge of Zipporah, the wife of Moses, when he decided to obey the Abrahamic covenant and circumcise himself and his son? She said, a bloody husband, you are to me. It doesn't matter if they like to the work." No, you ain't like Naomi, but you better become like Naomi. But Ruth is saying, let me become like Naomi. She said, I need to get so detached from the gods and the goddesses and even the people and the culture and the commandments of Moab that I must venture into the land of Bethlehem. I must travel back to the house of bread and I want to learn how Naomi treats her husband oh come on I said I could get in trouble right here somebody pops up and says this is how my mama done it well sister Hal didn't come out of holiness stock her mother had forsaken the way she had once lived but going beyond her mother to her great grandma sister Martin she was a holy woman it might not matter how the holy women do it to you but it matters to me I care how they did it. I care that the Holy Ghost moves in our services. I care that we trade anointing for talent in our movement. I care about some things. I care that we still resemble holiness people. I care that we're known as godly people instead of Egyptians and Canaanites people. It used to be when we went to the camp meetings where we gathered in the camp in the presence of God, we looked like holy people. The Lord ends this statement with, I am the Lord, your God. I'm preaching tonight on, I don't care how they do it. I see what shipwreck they've made of their families. I see guys that inherited very good churches and I've seen what they've done to those churches. They've destroyed them uh, because they didn't care about things that should matter. They didn't care about things that we can biblically prove in the word of God. They didn't care about the lifestyle of the God-fearing people. Listen, church, I see people imitating this world in the holiness of Pentecostal movement. I see them at our camp meetings imitating verbatim famous so-called gospel singers. They know exactly when that famous singer groans. They know exactly when that famous singer moans. They know when they say ooh la la. You can tell it's just a performance at that point. Where did they go back and pick up that Egyptian god? Had grandma buried it in the sand? Did she not bury it deep enough? We cannot go back and pick up things that we once destroyed lest we make ourselves a transgressor. Where did they learn this stuff that they now say they're at liberty to do? Where did they learn movie hour? I told you I'd get troubled. Here's when they click on Spreaker and say, man, brother, Howe's a great preacher, but I'm done with that one. I don't care how many sermons they click off and how many they click on. We ain't got no clicker on here. I don't have to be politically correct within our movement to get promoted, a pension and a paycheck. I drag myself out of bed every morning at six. I'm working to provide for my family. I didn't inherit a big functional church that I turned to be dysfunctional. I didn't inherit a church that had a good holiness standard but when I clocked out it was wrecked. Come on, this fat boy. You won't let me preach at your camp meeting. Tune in to some real preaching. Closet and queer. I don't care how they do it. I don't care about the big edifices. I don't care about the big meetings. I know the temples were packed with people participating in pagan practices. I'm not imitating this world. There is no such thing as Christian rock. There is no such thing as blues with a gospel influence. There's no such thing as gospel country. Huh? Man, oh man, I sang it out tonight. How about out of there? But you know what? Brother Nathaniel, they want us to sing with an Egyptian influence. They want us to sing with a Canaanite influence. But not me. I don't want to sing like that. I remember the people of yesteryear that could barely sing. But they had an anointing. Yeah. And you know what a lot of charismatic churches are doing now? They're functioning with a charisma of pagan temples. The Conjuring Spirits. They're using smoke and nights. And they're imitating what goes on in the clubs, in the dance halls, and even in pagan temples where people participate in human sacrifice. And our God said, come out from among them and be you separate. So when I hear Pentecostal people bringing in lights and thought machines, I know they're imitating something they learned in Egypt or something they've seen in Canaan. But Brother Samuel, I don't care how they do it. I don't care how they're doing it tonight. I like traditional worship services. I don't need contemporary worship services. Come out from among them and be separated, saith the Lord. In the verses surrounding this one, we're told not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We're told, told that there is no fellowship between the righteous and the unrighteous. We're asked, does light and darkness have communion one with another? Do they fellowship light and darkness? Do they blend? Yeah. We're asked, what concord hath Christ with Melio? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Apostle Paul goes on to say to people that have come out of pagan temples, what agreement hath Christ with idol? Right. The Catholic Church needs to hear that. It's full of idolatry. Apostle Paul gave the conditions of reception by God. Do these things, and you will be received. In Exodus 32, we find the great man Moses, the one that penned the words of the law, for it came from God. We find him running among the people, and he's crying out, "Brother Caleb, he's crying out, brother Jesse, he's crying out." Such a great man. Such a wonderful leader. He's crying out. Why is the pastor preaching like that? Why is he screaming? Why is he hollering? Why is he upset? What Moses is saying, we don't do it like that. I know you saw it done in Egypt. What are they doing, Bible scholars? In Exodus chapter number 32, we find they built a grave image. It was a calf. We don't do it like that let's stand right here tonight church there are some things that we will never do with god being my helper while i'm the pastor at the bethel holiness church we will not support adultery we will not tolerate wife swapping we will not tolerate incestuous relationships we will not tolerate adulterous eyes We will not tolerate wandering spirits. We will not tolerate idolatry. We simply will not tolerate it. Brother Jesse, I'm going to let you get off easy here tonight. But, Brother Harold, we went to the youth camp, and they're doing it. I don't care how they're doing it. I wish I had to sing for 25 minutes, but we all enjoyed it. We shouted and praised the Lord. But I'm a little bit short-winded. I could have really preached this, I believe, if I had a little more air. But Brother Rocap, I believe I've got the point across. You all have been so gracious. But Brother Howell, you all lock them down here. That's exactly right. Brother Howe, you are like I'm past here. That's exactly right. What's wrong with living right, can somebody tell me? But down there in Egypt, they did it like this. That's right, Sister and I remember a lifestyle in a charismatic church. And that's why I can preach the way I preach, Brother Samuel and Sister Wooten, because you've seen it. Brother Gene Wooten used to say he hates what they call the new way he was a proponent of the old way. He didn't say the old time way, he said the old way. That was the way he worded it. He said, I don't like the new way. You know what it was that he didn't like about the new way. They blended Christianity with the world. But you know what the Bible said? If any man loved the world, that's not the whales that they saw at SeaWorld. That's not the Dolphins Flipper lives down there in Miami. That's not that. It's not creation. He said love not the ways of the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in it. Know why this is? Because God just cannot stomach it. God just cannot stand it. And somebody said, "Brother Howe, he can't stand the stuff that's going on." That's right. I'm just like my father. I can't stand it. And if I'd had a little more air tonight, I'd have wore their hides out. But I wore out myself. But I don't care how they're doing it. I don't care how they're doing it, Sister Hammond. And if you check the record book, they ain't doing it without consequences. They're offering their children up, and some of them ain't even smart enough to realize it. When they're letting up, they're letting loose of their kids. Brother Rick Jacob had it right tonight when receiving the offering. He said people have got to the place now where they no longer care a thing about their kids. I see my daughter-in-laws, buddy, if they so much as even think they're immodest, I see them like this. I even see them trying to make sure my little grandbabies are modest. I'm proud of my sons and daughter-in-laws and I speak as a fool. Not an arrogant proud, but I appreciate their standards. I appreciate their way of life. I appreciate them using wisdom when it comes to the opposite sex. I appreciate the conversation that is not ghetto and that it's not what up, y'all. Don't you believe God is grieved when we start talking ghetto and holding us people start just won't identify with the world. Elon Musk got a freaky hairstyle, didn't he? I don't care how he does it. I don't care how they're doing it. I read three or four papers, maybe more a day, sometimes as many as four or five. I read the headlines. I see celebrities' wives swapping. As long as I've lived, they've swapped wives. They don't even get the divorces finalized and they're swapping wives. 12 years ago, everybody was pointed to look at the perfect marriage of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And I remember coming to this pulpit after that marriage fell apart and said, I guess they didn't have it all together after all. But how are the celebrities doing it, brother? How? I don't care. I'm done with their foolish games. I see through Black Lives Matter. I see through this stuff that's going on in the holiness movement. I see through Coppice. I see through Pilot. I see through all these princes and princesses. I see through it. You know what? I don't care how they're doing it. Are y'all listening? I don't care how they do it in pop culture. I don't care what political party they're affiliated with. The only thing that matters to me is that I'm a child of God. And whenever I go into town, brother, I'm not most proud that I'm a Republican. I am most proud that I've got ordinances in my hand. Yeah, I'm a Bible-toting, Bible-thumping holiness preacher. That I'm not ashamed of my wife that lives on time holiness. Apostle Paul speaking to people that come out of paganism. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Oh, yes. Tonight I'm moving slow because I'm trying to choose my words wisely. I could get very deep into trouble right here. I could go into detail. Where do you learn how to sit in a chair and watch a movie screen and binge on movies? Where do you learn that In the house of God? Where do you learn it? Just how I can tell you where they learn it. How much money did your mama used to spend every weekend, way back, 28 years ago, every weekend at the movie house? About $80. $80. Dollars 28 years ago is a lot of money and all weekend long Sister Howell's parents and her, this is how she was raised her mother was a hard working woman her mother did not beat them she provided for them, the daddy provided but every weekend they knew it was going to be movie weekend we're going to pop popcorn and we're going to binge watch movies one right after another on Friday night, right into Saturday morning, right into Saturday afternoon, right into Saturday night, and then even Sunday afternoon, and maybe Sunday night. We'll go to church, both services, but I'm going to binge watch movies in between. Where do they learn that? This is going over some of your heads. I'll tell you where they learned it in our text, Leviticus 18, 2 through 4. You learned that in Egypt. And God said after their tourists, don't you do it. And where you're going, you're going to see a similar thing. Don't you do it. Well, Brother Howe, I'm going to leave your church. I've been between churches anyway. My last church, they permitted it, and they allowed it. That's great. I don't care how they're doing it. But at your church, we've got the law. That's right. We don't do that here. I don't care how they're doing it. Well, I'm going to take me and my family and go somewhere else. That's all right. Go somewhere else. We don't care how they're doing it. But as for me and my house, we've made our choice. Joshua said, I know how the pagan temples are on the other side of the flood. I know how the gods and the goddesses are. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let's all find a place to pray tonight. Young men and young women, there'll be a time that you'll feel the pressure to do it just because somebody else is doing it. Just because somebody else is doing it. And if you're not careful, you'll throw away the word of God and the preaching of your pastor just because somebody else is doing it. Well, they do it. Well, they get by with it. I remember I was praying not long after we come out of the Church of God, Cleveland, because that particular local congregation had really fallen and we didn't know anything about holiness people that were still in the Church of God. But I was a praying I said, Well, Lord, Sister So and so, she does this, it's just a little thing. She seems to be doing good. Bless her and help her. I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. I said, Lord, help her, please. Blessed help her. We don't see her anymore. She does it. She's made it. She's on the glory now. Lord, I thank you for that. Mr. Praying. Feeling my way through that prayer time. And I heard the Lord say, Son, who said that she made it? I don't care how they're doing it. I don't care how they're doing it.